Emmanuel Axe, it is a thrill to be with you. I'm Jim Cunningham from WQED-FM. You have been enduring my questions for many years now, and I thank you for it. Bless you. Almost 40 years. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it's so great. Well, the Mozart was great last night. I really enjoyed hearing you play it. The 20th Concerto, I was trying to think, how many of the Mozart concertos do you play? Do you play a lot of them? Uh, I play quite a few of them, yeah. I, I don't play the C minor 491, and I guess I don't play the so-called Coronation Concerto 537, but I think I do most of the others, yeah. Tell me a little about your thinking regarding number 20. Well, it's clearly uh, the most dramatic concerto of, of Mozart. I, I would say probably the closest to what the Romantics loved. You know, they, they loved the drama. Uh, it's probably kind of a, a small takeoff on Don Giovanni. Same key, uh, same kind of intensity and I think you can certainly draw pictures for yourself of going from up there to the fire down there. Uh, you can hear it in the beginning of the of the third movement, where the the violins actually, all of a sudden, they go up, down, up, way down, and it's kind of a, a leap, maybe, sort of reminiscent of Don Giovanni disappearing into. Uh, the netherworld, <laughs> uh, but it has a it it of course the piece as as with all of Mozart has everything, it has uh, intensity, it has beauty, it has intimacy, uh, it has grandeur, uh, you name it, it's there. Absolutely fabulous from beginning to end, and the Chopin to follow it. How did you choose the Chopin encore? Well, I, I think it's, it's actually quite nice to play Chopin after Mozart because Chopin was not the nicest person uh, about, about other musicians. And really the two composers or three composers that he really worshipped were Bach, Mozart, and Bellini. So I think if you, if you play a Mozart concerto, it's perfectly appropriate to do a little Chopin. And Chopin has been so close to your heart from the very beginning. Well, every every pianist loves Chopin. It's uh, I still I still have not met a pianist that doesn't like Chopin. I've met a few that don't play Chopin so much, but everybody loves it. You know, hearing the concert last night, I couldn't help but feeling this is perfect for the time that we are living in. Here we are wearing masks, following a pandemic, and watching a conflict that has swept across your homeland where you were born. Uh, yeah, yeah, not a, not a great time in, in so many ways. It's, uh, uh, now that I'm very old, I actually think back to, to various events of my life, and I, I, wasn't really, I wasn't really connected to Lviv uh, so much. I was born there, but it was part of the Soviet Union then, my mother was born there, and it was part of Poland. My father was born there, and it was part of Austria. So we're actually from three different countries, but the same city. And uh, we are basically Polish, uh, Polish-Jewish, and we moved to Warsaw when I was about seven. So 
I remember Warsaw a lot more than, than Lviv. When were you last back in the land of your home? Well, I went to, I went to Lviv for the first time since I was seven. Uh, about four or five years ago, I met a remarkable writer named Philippe Sands. I don't, I don't know if that name means anything to you, but he's a law professor at Cambridge in, in England and does a lot of work in the International Criminal Court. And his great-grandfather was also from Lvov, or Lemberg, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and he wrote a book called East-West Street, about two people who were born five minutes from each other and wound up moving, one to England, one to the United States, and meeting at the Nuremberg Trials. It's a fascinating book, and, and he did a kind of uh, project around it. and. Somehow he found out I was from there, and he just invited me along. So I went, I went with him. <laughs> it was a very, very wonderful experience to, to be with him and his friends, and uh, terrific, eye-opening. We, we looked for what we thought might be my old apartment. <laughs> we, have, we have no idea if that's really the place, you know. Have you had a chance to meet our violinist, Marta Krechkovsky? Her family is from Ukraine, and this time is particularly terrible for her. But of course, everyone is bereft at the way the world has uh, uh, fallen apart in, in that part of our musical world and uh, our political world. It's astounding. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a, what do the Chinese say, an interesting few years. Yeah. But music gives us strength. You think of Beethoven with Napoleon coming into Vienna, putting the pillows on his ear while he's writing uh, the Emperor Concerto in the basement. You know, it's unbelievable how music gives us the power to keep rolling. Certainly, certainly Beethoven especially uh, is, is its music of such hope and, uh, and ecstasy and belief in, in man and the future that I guess we always, we always turn to him. Yo-Yo uh, and Leonidas and I have been working on a lot of Beethoven during this time, and uh, it it gives us it, it gives us sustenance. Yeah. I would like to ask you for your thinking at this point in your career. You are a superstar. The world loves you, <laughs> and you're going from strength to strength. New recordings, the Beethoven trios, Carnegie Hall, Tanglewood. This summer uh, you seem absolutely undaunted by anything and you keep on pushing oh gee i wish i felt that way i'm i'm ready to retire personally i'm i'm all set um i like the idea of of not uh not getting nervous anymore so maybe i'll maybe i'll get a chance to give it up pretty soon <laughs> i will say that especially in in this time the level of piano playing has has never has never been like it is today. Uh, there are there are more phenomenal pianists than than one can encompass, and most of all, I hope that that all of them get a chance to perform. That that we will have audiences that want to hear these brilliant, fabulous people because they are fabulous. It's. Uh, I think the younger generation is, is just, it's an explosion of talent, ability, uh, 
intelligence and and heartfelt um, music making than, than I've than I've ever seen. It seems sometimes that there are too many great talents that there won't be enough jobs, uh, but. Music is part of your soul, one, one way or another. Our conservatories are delivering so many great talents these days. When you're a tangled, you must see so many amazing people. How can they ever find a place on the stage? I, you know, it, this is something that, that all of us constantly struggle with. Uh, we're, all, we're all thinking nonstop. I think every, everybody in the music profession is thinking pretty much all the time about how to make sure that the audience for music exists. And it's, it's, not, it's not easy because it requires several things which, which, we, are, which we are in short supply of these days. Uh, it requires a lot of time. It requires a certain amount of application because you have to concentrate as a listener for a period of time, uh, and of course, familiarity with music is also a great help. It, it's not it's not necessary, but it's a great help. Uh, just the way if you if you watch a football game, the more you know about what should be happening or what is is involved, the more you enjoy the game. Uh, the same is true of of going to a classical music concert. <laughs> The more you know about what is going on, or the more the more you've listened, and the more you you are aware of things, the the more you'll enjoy it. Uh, and of course, it's not such a visual medium. We're in a very visual age, and I don't know that there's a solution to that. But. Maybe, maybe there come times when, when you're sick of looking at a screen or looking at a performance and you want to imagine something for yourself. That's the, that's the great thing about, about music, generally, I think. Whatever story is being told, the story is yours. Uh, it's, it's nobody else's. You make up your own story to all of music. That's not true of theater. That's not really true of painting most of the time. That's not true of poetry. That's not true of movies. Uh, to me, that's, that's one of the great things about music. Please share a few memories of your time here in Pittsburgh. We spoke last night in the radio interview about the sheer volume, the number of people, Bloomstedt, Navarro, Kreitzberg, uh, all our music directors touring with Manfred at the Musikverein in Vienna. It's a lot in Pittsburgh. Very, very often, and I, I feel incredibly lucky to have been part of the Pittsburgh Symphony family. Uh, this is one of the absolute great orchestras of the world. Um, I love coming here. I have lots of friends in the orchestra. It's, I wish we could. I wish we could be without masks so we could smile at each other all the time, because it's so nice to see their smiles. Uh, this particular week is is kind of old home week for Manfred and me because the first time I played with Manfred was with the Swedish Radio Orchestra. 
I think it must be over 35 years ago. And the program was the Mozart D minor concerto and Tchaikovsky Fifth Symphony. So this is very much <laughs> a nice a nice segue. But uh, you've, you've had so many. This, this orchestra has had an incredibly storied history, you know, starting with people like Fritz Reiner and Steinberg and Andre Previn, Lauren Mazel. Uh, it's endless. Maris Janssons, my goodness, it's a, it's a, it's a list of, of the greatest conductors in the world, and and uh, and Manfred, who's who's right there. <coughs> I just hope, I hope it keeps going this way, and I hope that when I stop playing, I can just come and listen to the Pittsburgh Symphony. All of these people you mentioned were so extraordinary, and your music making with all of them amazing. I had to feel that you were extra close with Andre Previn. He always spoke about you with such great affection. He, he loved you. I, I loved him. Uh, we, did, we did a lot of work, and of course, I, I, I think in, in some ways, he was the most gifted, naturally gifted man that I ever met. Uh, after all, this is somebody who could compose a piece of music at the drop of a hat, who played fabulous jazz piano, uh, who could play any piece of, of music on the piano, who conducted the complete repertoire from soup to nuts, and who wrote the funniest book about music ever called No Minor Chords. So he was, I, I still remember when I, I heard this quote from a John F. Kennedy speech when he had Nobel Prize winners at the, at the White House. And he said, there has never been a collection of talent in the White House like this, except for nights when Thomas Jefferson died in, alone. And <laughs> I think Andre was kind of an example of that. He could, he could do it all. And aside from everything else, he was the sweetest man imaginable. He was, he was so generous to young people and, and, well, to everybody. Oh my, there are so many crazy things that happened along the way. You and I were once across the street at the shop that the uh, symphony had. It's now a restaurant across from mine. So we, we were amidst books and there was a, maybe a book signing or something. You did a live radio broadcast. It was just a crazy mad scene. And I remember you in the lobby of the hotel in Frankfurt or Cologne or Dusseldorf or somewhere on that tour with the music for Ein, trying to get a few minutes of peace, but you kindly agreed for a few minutes to do an interview, so it was so great. I can't thank you enough for all these experiences along the way. And look, you, you've also helped us pick the new piano. We kept you busy the last couple of days uh, choosing a new Steinway. Joint project with, with my friend Fima Bronfman and me. Uh, he was able to, to find two pianos that he liked in the factory, and they came here. And when, I, when we were able to try them in the hall, we picked one of them. Uh, and I think it's a wonderful choice. And I know that in September, uh, FEMA is going to play the inaugural concert on that piano. So it's very, very exciting. Yeah. Well, we look forward to hearing you play the new piano as soon as possible. And what music were you demonstrating on it, uh, taking it through its paces? Was it John Adams piano rolls or Beethoven or what was it? I think we did some Beethoven, some Brahms, some Chopin. Uh, maybe that's it. I'm not sure. <laughs> various, various tidbits. <laughs> so it was a clear winner. 
was clear. I you. think so. I think I think everybody. I liked it the best, and everybody in the hall liked it the best. And in fact, FEMA, uh, when he reported on it, he liked that one more as well. So it was a pretty unanimous choice. Thank you so much for being part of that process. It was absolutely uh, wonderful to have you involved. Anything else you'd like to share? We have to get you back to your hotel. I'm I'm fine. I've shared more than enough. Thank you. Emmanuel X, what a joy to be with you and to hear your Mozart. You know, when you left the stage last night, it looked like you were trying to not have the applause go on and on, but the audience wanted to keep roaring their approval. It's a long program, and, and I, think, I think my friends on stage, you know, they need to get home too. So we all, we all need to, at some point, I, we'll, we'll play again. It's fine. Look, we want to tell you how we feel about you. I hope you know. Thank you so much. Thanks. Auf Wiedersehen.